On this episode of EdTech, we talk about classroom capture and streaming, creating an engaging classroom experience, and apps and tools for the tech manager. All that and more next on EdTech. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. EdTech is brought to you by our fine group of underwriters, companies like Draper. This is EdTech, episode 39, recorded Tuesday, December 22nd, 2015, Entwining LMS. This is EdTech, the monthly look at the education space for AV. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host. With us uh, from the great state of California, UCLA, Mr. Greg Brown. How are you, sir? Hello, Tim. Hello, world. Alive and well, despite the fact it's actually cold and rainy outside. What is it, like 70? Actually, it's in the 60s. I don't know how we're going to survive. I don't either. <laughs> It's a winter storm in, in beautiful Southern California. So, Right. Also with us is Mr. Bill O'Donnell. How are you, sir? I'm, I'm good. It's uh, nice and cold and rainy out here on the East Coast, except that it's 40 and looks like Portland, Oregon. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's delightful. All right. Well, Mike Tomei uh, is just north of you in, in New York. So how are you, sir? Yeah, doing really well. This is, you know, like Bill mentioned, this is a heat wave for us. You know, <laughs> too, it's... before Christmas, so I'll take it. I, th- I think yeah. the the local weather guy here in St. Louis said it's supposed to be seventy uh, Christmas in St. Louis. So yeah, yep. Did you, just, right. did you just do like the comical maneuver where you just threw the note cards up in the air and just went, oh, "I got nothing." Uh, he said some joke about global warming, and I just no, whatever. <laughs> I was like, yeah. There's no global warming. It's 70 in St. Louis on in, in, right. on Christmas, so whatever. I am El Nino. I am El that Nino. That is Spanish for, for the Nino. The, that's very nice. <laughs> that's Christopher Farley, in case you guys didn't know that, that, what that joke <laughs> was from. It's an old SNL. So, all right, uh, let's kick this off, guys. Uh, first first up, we're going to talk about our, our buddies over at uh, in, in Anaheim, just, uh, just uh, I almost said due west of Greg there, but actually due south. Uh, east of, of Greg. More Bay. east than anything else. A little bit south. I drove that stretch of highway. Um, east of west. Drive is a wrong word. I sat in my car while it creeped along on the on the 405. <laughs> um, Extron is delivering. Now that's something we do better than most. Yes, it is. You guys, you, you, you got, you've got that down. Uh, from Commercial Integrator, uh, Extron is delivering the end, what their end-to-end video capture solution. It said it would. Quote, unquote, uh, it didn't take long for the fruits of Extron's acquisition of video capture specialist Entwine AG to emerge in the form of a new lecture capture solution. Well, first off, <laughs> let, let me let me just say this about, about that sentence right there. Extron was already working on stuff, right? Uh, it's not like suddenly they bought Entwine and just kind of rolled it in there. They were already working on stuff. Entwine definitely helped them, absolutely. That, that acquisition definitely helped them. But they were they were working on stuff. Um, Greg, we're going to kick this off with you first. When it comes to lecture capture um, and, and Extron's foray in, into this, this is not their first um, iteration of, of lecture capture. They've had some stuff for quite some time. Like, like I said, they've been oh, working on, on some stuff. Does this help them? Uh, does this this solution here help them get into more classrooms? Does it hurt them? What, what do you think about this, this latest uh, version of it? 
resistance is futile. Ah. We can be assimilated. Um, I think it's to be expected, but I think it's a good move on their part. I was, I was. Uh, um, thinking nostalgically of the good old days when we thought of Extron as just the, the the company that made the little boxes that were the glue of all of our systems as opposed to the uh, thou shalt use us for all parts of your system or else company uh, <laughs> that they are quickly becoming. But um, I think it's a good move for them. They did have the... Um, the, the dirt cheap streaming box, them and Crestron and a couple of other folks that uh, were, you know, buy the couple thousand dollar box and never pay money again, record lecture well, they boxes. They also had the $30,000 one too. They they did, and this puts them right there in the middle, battling against, uh, you know, insert the name of your favorite uh, uh, enterprise lecture capture system, which... Uh, it, you know, this is not exactly a news flash. I don't think that you know they're they're in this, and I think it's a good move for them, and they'll probably do it reasonably well. All right, Mister uh, Mister O'Donnell, when it comes to lecture capture, where do you guys sit uh, on on your campus there? Well, um, we are we've invested so much in Blackboard that we've primarily stuck stuck with Blackboard. Um, I know from talking with Greg, theirs is more of a pick whatever flavor you want. Um, for us, it's I, I'm I'm happy to see them look at this, and you know, Greg's right. I've always seen Extron as the hardware folks, and now it's here. We're getting the software. As long as they make something that can plug into Blackboard or Kalutra or Canvas or something like that, they're gonna reach they're gonna reach the the wider scale campuses. Like Rutgers, I think uses uh, they use both Blackboard and Canvas. Both. Um, like. I think so. Yeah, it oh. depends on the size of the, it. Depends on the size of the campus. Uh, Greg, help me out for a second here. How many uh, lecture capture or um, uh, um, lecture capture or uh, um, uh, online uh, uh, online learning systems do you guys use? Oh gosh, how many are there? See, uh, <laughs> you, you know, that's that's yeah, that's that's the case, it's, and you know. It's it's the size. Of, it depends on the size of your college or your university. Us, we're about. Eh, I think officially they say fifteen thousand. We're really more around around the level of like ten to twelve thousand. And Rutgers is just well. It's like the main campus. I mean, you know, how many how many how many angels can you fit on a pin? You know, they're they're huge. So of course they have multiple uh, uh, learning systems and everything. So. Mm-hmm. That's why I say if Extron can get it to where, oh yeah, you want Blackboard? Here's the, you know, here's the plug-in, or here's the the way it goes into this system. You want Kalutra? Here you go. You want Canvas? Here you go. Like as long as they learn to play nice with the other manufacturers, I think they'll be okay. All right, Mr. Tomei, when it comes to designing these systems and talking to your clients, how do you how do you make this the the, the determination which one to go to? Uh, to Greg's point, I mean, Greg is has famously said on on this show multiple times. UCLA is very, very federated, right? They, they have several different colleges. They have several different schools, which is probably why they have several different uh, solutions. But when you're trying to vet out the correct solution for your client, how do you do that? Yeah, so the I guess it comes down to two different areas, right? You have your kind of in-room capture equipment, um, and Extron's SMP351 is their, their um, capture box that they have now. <laughs> And then, uh, you know, previously there wasn't much past that. You had to use another content management software um, or service. And uh, having kind of the, the combination here now, uh, 
purchasing Antwine. And then um, uh, I think this new software that they have, which, you know, Antwine has been working on for a long time, um, now just kind of rebranded with Extron, uh, looks good. I haven't used it, but it looks really good. And um, they're promising a lot of integration with LMS services. So being able to have that kind of end-to-end, the hardware box in the room, uh, and the SMP351 has been uh, pretty reliable um, for uh, for capture, and um, you know I've heard uh, a lot of people that have been starting to use it now, and then being able to say, well, we can also handle the backend content management, and then integrate it into your LMS, and it's a whole uh, a whole package. Um, I think that's going to be really big for Extron. Yeah. I, I had another yeah. thought here. Let me toss this in. You know, the the other thing that this does for them is that it gets um, the, these are much more enterprise decisions, and this is going to get them their name and their equipment up there in the decisions amongst people who are making much more higher order decisions than than a lot of tech managers are, than a lot of people who were deciding on their equipment in the past. And the one thing I've seen from them, I think for a while now is really an interest in dealing with people at universities on a much higher level than they typically than they typically came from because it was it was the techs who were often deciding whether or not you were using Extron stuff because they were the glue stuff like we talk, like I mentioned but um, I think this also fits in with sort of a a, a a shift in their marketing over the last few years too. Interesting. So you think they're 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 recognizing the fact that a lot of you know the the shift in from years ago when when I started was uh, as a tech manager I was in an AV department and now a lot of folks um, who work in AV are in the IT departments and therefore those decisions are made at a at a CIO CTO level. Yeah, if you can if you can get a CIO convinced that you should use you know brand A over brand B, you know you are you are either blessed or 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 damned, you know for the for the rest of your life if you are uh, you know on the receiving end of that, depending on which side of the fence you were on, uh, on that one. So I I think they see that. All right, very good. Uh, let's bring in a, a blog from a, a very fine network, avnetwork.com. It's entitled Creating advanced learning environments it's made by a, a very well-known international star of mystery and mayhem mr mike tomei tim tim who would that I've be i've heard of him i I've have too yeah, yeah. wow he, he's who's, this? who's this scoundrel and also he, he a does this under thing 40. online that he, he does this thing online i think like seven or eight people watch it something like that well besides hey, your, your dad and, and my dad there's two um yeah there's four of us here yeah so four of us that's, here that's crap <laughs> Um, well, there's six and, of our seven right and there. And two of us are married, so, you know. <laughs> right. I'm not going to say which two, but, you know. Uh, anyhow, so I, 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 I kid, but it's actually a very good piece. So, uh, Mike, I'm going to start with you, kind of explain exactly what you're talking about when you're talking about, again, you're, you're, you're dealing with the, the client, you're dealing with the university. How do you how do you differentiate and how do you say, okay, you know what, this one is an advanced, this one is a huddle space in a classroom, this one is a flip classroom. Go through the process when, when we get to the advanced learning environment and yep. how you walk them through that. Yeah, so the, the article I wrote, it's pretty brief, but um, I touched on people, active learning is huge these days, obviously. Um, every administrator at every school wants to have active learning rooms installed and, and show that 
you know, they're the, the uh, learning institution of the future. And uh, there's a lot of different flavors of active learning, if you will. Um, you can have your full-blown uh, active learning room that might have, um, you know, six or seven or eight tables in the room. Each table gets a flat panel display. There's laptop inputs at every seat or a bunch of this, those seats. And um, a big matrix switcher, so signals can be routed from any input to any display in the room. And um, that's kind of the, the full-blown active learning. And then you can boil it down to uh, maybe including huddle spaces, too, which might be uh, in a library. They install one table that has four to six seats at it, throw a flat panel display on it, maybe one or two laptop inputs. And um, that is also considered collaborative AV technology. So um, there's a big difference between the two. and. The, in the article, what, what I touched on is um, really focusing on the needs analysis stage of projects that involve active learning because uh, administrators are usually the people that are kind of driving these projects and um, they want to have active learning spaces on campus, but if you're not involving faculty, the people that are actually going to be in the room and needing to, to teach in that room, if you're not involving them in the needs analysis phase of the project, then you're probably in for a trouble later on. Um, a lot of faculty, they don't really have curriculum that they've built to use in active learning environments. So I've installed uh, or worked on active learning classrooms and then the first person to get in there is a professor that just teaches a conventional lecture class and now you have a room where you have students facing all different directions because they're little pod tables and uh, the technology does not work well for lectures and um, they're using their same old curriculum in there. So um, so I think campuses and, and especially AV designers really need to get um, instructional technology training staff involved early on so that they can work with faculty and um, uh, kind of revise their curriculum to really work in these active learning spaces. And there are some, there are usually a couple gung-ho faculty members on a campus that really want these active learning spaces. Um, but I found that the majority don't. They, f they aren't comfortable teaching in them. They don't really know how they're going to teach in them. Um, so maybe installing one on a campus as a, a test subject uh, is a good idea. Um, think, you know, ripping out every conventional classroom in a building and putting in active learning spaces is a really bad idea and really expensive because they can be six or seven or eight or ten times the price of a, a standard um, classroom setup once you get all this matrix switching and displays all over the place and the laptop inputs. So. All right, let's let's bring in the, 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 the Bill here and, the, and then Greg. It, I okay, agree with so, him. Go ahead. So funny enough how, she, how we're all mentioning how we, we talk about this because uh, we're actually putting in two um, in our new building as we speak. Like literally, the integrator and um, my associate Damon are working out the bugs as we speak, and um, it is true you have to bring on uh, the instructional design folks with the faculty because believe me, like on this campus alone, uh, we had a transition of going from Word Perfect to Word, and we had to give folks a two-year lapse because they're like, "Oh, I don't want to do this," blah blah blah, and it's like, "Oh, a whole new room configuration." Oh, this is going to be, you know, this will be was awesome. Uh, yeah, listen, <laughs> oh, listen. So was Emma. So was you know what, dogs. Greg? So was a stone tablet, but <laughs> <laughs> that was a little bit before my time. <laughs> Not so, much. Yeah. 
Papyrus not, but stone tablets, yes. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah. So, say, so, so when they actually learned how to sharpen the stick in the dirt, that was, yes, that that was, was improvement great. too? He was there. Anyway, so the, the – no, no, but the, the Mike hit the nail on the head with this one is that you have to get the faculty. And you're right. There are faculty that are going to be, oh, yeah, no, I totally want to work in a new space and this and that. And unfortunately, I'm dealing with you know senior faculty members who are clamoring that they want whiteboards put up and chalkboards put up in, in certain rooms. And I'm looking at them going, are you out of your mind? But <laughs> – it's 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 in it's teaching them it's like here's a new way to go about it and will it get adopted yes um, do I think that you know the, our administration is going oh oh yeah active learning classrooms that's the way of the future and I'm going let's see what the usage rate is first uh, for over like the next two years before we yeah. start converting things I said you you really have to see do folks use this because you know like Mike said if you put someone who does traditional you know as they put it sage on the sta- on the stage style where they just do the lecture, they sit up in front, they maybe use the whiteboard, they're going to walk into a, an active learning classroom and they're going to say, don't ever put me in this room again. This room sucks. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, there, there's a lot of time and effort that uh, gets sunk into design into these things. So um, it's absolutely essential that, you know, you get, you get the uh, instructional design folks um, involved in this because that way they can actually build teaching curriculum around it. And, um, you know, it, it, it's to get folks, it's to get folks used to it. Cause otherwise it's just going to go, I have no idea how this room works. I am completely shocked by this. Get me the hell out of this room. Hmm. Yeah. So. All right, Mr. Brown, um, where in the process and then how do you get the faculty to that table? Wow. Uh, if we were building any of these spaces, I could, uh, give you an idea on how we were handling that, but we're a, uh, we're largely a very uh, traditional campus with a lot of very, uh, shall we say, traditional. I'm I'm resisting the urge to do the finger quotes. Uh, <laughs> very traditional instructors and instruction methods. Lecture uh, halls. Uh, yes, yes. I'm afraid we um, we're we're very enamored with those still at this point. Um, well, in so, general, though, when you when you guys are designing new systems, how do you how do you incorporate faculty input? Well, um, ideally, you have to include faculty input, and I see good examples and bad examples of that um, in various ed- or have seen at various times and places. Um, um, you know, and and also the the other thing most colleges are doing. Uh, most larger colleges is that um, you know you you've got people whose jobs it is it, whose job is nothing is nothing but to help some of these instructors learn these new technologies and how to work with these technologies and you know sit down with them one-on-one and work with these things and show them examples of what they can do with this stuff so the first time they're seeing it isn't in the classroom you know that's as much of an effort as actually building the things in a lot of schools yeah absolutely um all right uh we'll take this uh, another different direction today uh higher ed tech decisions uh they had an article let me see if i can bring it up here uh about the 16 um, apps and tools that make teaching easier. So uh, I'm going to bring it a little bit different around to you guys. What makes your job easier? Uh, what are some apps or some tools that make your job as a tech manager easier? Mr. O'Donnell? 
pass. Pass? You don't have one? Uh, give me a minute or so. I'm just uh, mentally checking to see checking to see what's on my phone. Okay, Greg. <laughs> wow. Um, I'm looking around trying to figure out something I can talk. You know, I think I've got something I can I can talk about, but come back to me because I'm gonna have to get up, go and get it. All right. Oh, actually, I do have one here. Hold on. Aha. <laughs> uh, there's actually a smart. No, there's actually an app that we use for whenever we're uh, getting ready to renovate. Is uh, specifically, it's a phone. It's actually a uh, an Android app, but it's called Smart Tools. Okay. And it's got a. Uh, it has a. Um, uh, uh, sound pressure level meter. It's got rulers. It's got a, a couple of other little things, so you can just do some quick calculations and everything. Um, is it the same as having like a real-time noise analyzer and everything? No, but for um, for those times where we're just going to walk around and talking with, say, um, faculty or or administration, in which they say, "Oh, we want to renovate uh, this floor and everything." Okay, well, at least let me at least like get like the basics of the room dimensions and and how much the ground noise is and everything else, and we can go and say, "All right, you're going to at least need this level of speakers or uh, this level of brightness." Yeah. Um, although I do carry a light meter separately, it would be nice if it was on the phone. But you know, I don't think uh, I don't think there's uh, there's any money for Samsung to install a light meter in their phones. They could probably do so. an inexpensive one like the SPL. That's true. Um, but like I said, it's one of those ones. It's it's helpful for me whenever I'm going into a room and checking things. Um, as far as day-to-day -day apps, um, I'm sure there's one or two. It's just that my brain is kind of fleeting at the moment. So. Oh, that's all right. That's two of us today. So, oh. all right, Mr. Brown is back with his with his tool chest there. What do you got, sir? I'm I I I went the hardware route. That's fine. Because I I stumbled across this again the other day, and it's actually been a pretty useful little device. This is the LAR150 from Atlas Sound. And what this does is that you swing these handles out, and this thing here latches into a single rack space like that. Okay. If I was, like, sitting in the rack, you would latch this in place, and you now have a shelf you can put heavy equipment on, slide it in place. It holds it level and in the right place. See, this? That you're operating little latches here, and it's oh. got pins pins that go oh, into the rack holes oh, nice. and it's an instant <laughs> one it, it takes up one rack unit but man you you slide this in where you're putting in a couple of amplifiers or something yeah. like this and you just slide them in sit them down and they're sitting perfectly exactly where you need them holy cow and nice. it was a cheap little device or i i want to say it was like a hundred bucks or something like that i mean they it's you know, all bent and welded up metal so they're obviously putting a little bit of effort into putting this together but um just um, one of the neater devices I have found at the show in the last couple of years that that we've we we don't use it every day, but you know it's it's hard to beat something like that when you you know need to put in a hundred pound amplifier or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> very cool. That was just the first thing that came to mind. Absolutely. All right, Mr. Actually, there, yes? there is one other thing, uh, hardware-wise, that actually does come in handy mm. for us. Um, at Lona, actually makes a little HDMI uh, tester, and it's good for up to 2K. I wish they made a 4K model, but you know, for I think it's only a couple hundred bucks. So for a couple hundred bucks, you know, you, you can't exactly ask for a whole lot. Um, but it's nice because it's one of those ones where I believe it's got uh, an HDMI and I think it has a DisplayPort plug on it. And it's just nice in case the folks go, oh, I'm not getting anything. Bunk. 
There you go. And it's it's small enough to where it's about the size of a smartphone, really. Okay. So it's a it's a nice little little uh, quick uh, back pocket uh, item. Very yeah, nice. we've got one of those around here too. I think we have an earlier generation, but yeah, there there aren't enough uh, quick and dirty, reliable little uh, uh, digital testers on the market yet. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's all right, Mr. Tomei. Do you have any uh, tools that either when you were a tech manager or now? Yeah, ne- well, nowadays, um, you know, in the consulting world, it's famous for the amount of meetings we have to attend mm-hmm. with architects and construction meetings and, that, and out in the field. Um, so for me, just having everything cloud-based is huge because I can bring my laptop with me and refer to every drawing that they're going to bring up in a meeting. But um, but I have a lot of little apps that I use for, like, site surveys. Um, when I'm out in the field, you know, uh, Bill was mentioning an SPL meter. I'm just looking at my phone right now. Um, uh, RTA that I use. They're, they're good enough. Uh, to get by for a quick and, and dirty site survey out out in the field, I have a little um, projection calculator, lens calculator on my phone, so I can um, figure out throw distance and screen size real quick when people start talking about it during meetings. And uh, let's see, and I have a real basic light meter actually on here that uses the camera on the phone. It's I'm sure not extremely accurate, but um, it's decent enough to get a little reading of um, light, you know ambient light bouncing off a screen or that sort of thing and just you know gives me a little um, a little information that uh, so I don't have to bring light meter with me and SPL meter so those are the apps I really use all right there you go Bill an app a, a, a light app fair enough I've now been as I say I knew I I'm, I'm... I'll say this: Every now and then, I'm known to be wrong, and by that I mean like 70% of the chance, 70% of the time, or 95 if you talk to my girlfriend. So you know. Well, it depends on the. I'd be curious how accurate it is, though. You know, I haven't really. Uh, I I rarely use it actually, um, compared to the the audio apps uh, I use pretty often. You know, if I have to test um, ambient um, noise levels in a room and you know HVAC that sort of thing, um, this is just a quick and dirty way to do it. So. Well, and and I've got one for you guys too. It, it's called AV Buddy. Um, I don't know the guy that, that made it, but it's it's incredibly useful. It has a lot of the different things that you guys are talking about, calculations and 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 measurements and stuff like that um, that you guys can can download. I don't, I don't know if it costs or not. I've had it for too many years that honestly, at this point, I don't remember if if it costs uh, anything or not. So, all right, guys, uh, that is going to do it uh, for for this month. Uh, with us has been Mr. Mike Tomei from Tomei Consulting. Thank you, sir. Yeah, thank you. And how can people find you? Well, my website is tomeiav.com. That's T-O-M-E-I-A-V.com. Or you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm on there pretty often. All right, very good. Also with us, Mr. Greg Brown. Thank you, sir. Thank you. And how can people find you? Mm, Same way. LinkedIn's usually the easiest way to find me. Yeah, Greg. Lots of people have found me there. Like over 10,000 at this point. It's only 890. Wow, I think that's not that I'm counting, and not that I don't have a friend who thinks she's in some sort of competition with me. (laughs) Never mind, I'm not going to ask. Also, with this is Mr. Bill O'Donnell. Uh, Bill is uh, well. Bill is um, Bill's on the phone at this point, so we're gonna we're gonna skip Bill. Uh, You can find Bill at the original uh, OD. uh, he's, he's checking with his girlfriend. He's sure checking he's with his girlfriend, right yes. Thing. So, um, anyhow, 
Uh, my name is Tim Albright. Don't follow me, but go by the website if you would, please. Avnation.tv. Avnation.tv. You will find this program and a host of others. Um, you can uh, listen to this podcast. We're doing a new um, State of Control, a brand new Lightcast, and uh, social media. So Avnation.tv. Avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for watching. This has been EdTech.